I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Romans. We'll look at that passage in just a few moments. Well, actually, let's start in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Well, I want to begin this morning by asking you, are you ready for the big day tomorrow? Huh? How many of you have your glasses? You ready? I can't see. Oh, I got, now I can see you. How many of you have your glasses? Raise your hands. Wow. A lot of you. Uh, I'm in the money-making business, so if you don't have any, I've got a few extra. I'll sell you after the service. <laughs> the, the last time there was a total eclipse of the sun in America was 1979, but what's unique about this one is it's the first time since 1918 that a total eclipse has traveled all the way across the country. What they're calling the, uh, the path of totality starts in Oregon and makes its way down to the Charleston, South Carolina area. And um, we're, we're not exactly in that path. We're on the edge of it. So about 99% of the sun will be blocked here in Rock Hill, a little over 99% at, uh, at the peak moment. So it's a, it's a unique opportunity in our lifetime. And it's, it's becoming big business. Uh, all the hotels in the Charleston area are booked solid. Tourists coming in to see it. Uh, Krispy Kreme has their first ever chocolate glazed donut. They'll be lined up out to the highway getting those. And uh, as, you, as you know, uh, a solar eclipse is because the moon is positioned between the earth and the sun, blocking the light from the sun as it shines and you know falls on, on the earth, so it creates that, that, that shadow. And I want to say to you, the solar eclipse that we're going to experience tomorrow is a perfect analogy, a perfect illustration of what's going on in the life of every lost man, woman, boy, and girl in this world. The people you love, the people you care about, who do not know Christ, who are lost and if they died this moment would go to hell because they don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. They're not committed to him. They're not following Jesus. He's not their Lord. He's not their Savior. They haven't been born again. That eclipse is exactly what's going on in their life right now. It's an, it's an example of what lostness looks like. I want you to think of the Son as God. And think of the earth as the person you care about who is lost and without Christ. And the moon that is blocking the, the light from the sun on earth, the moon that is blocking the light of God's gospel in the life of someone who is lost, that moon is Satan, the evil one. Look, in your, look on the screen at these words from uh, 2 Corinthians 4. If you have your Bible open, you can follow with me. There, beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, verse 3, the Bible says, even if our gospel is veiled, if it's, if it's hidden, when, when something is veiled when, and literally it's hidden, it's really there. And it's, it's viewable. It's, it's able to be seen. But something's covering it, hiding it from view. And the Bible is saying that the gospel, the gospel, the good news of forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ is veiled, is hidden, is covered. Then, it, then that's true of those who are perishing at the end of that verse. 
it's veiled, it's hidden, it's covered from all of those who are perishing, who are lost and going to hell. Now look at verse 4. In whose case, he said, here's what's really going on. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Who's the God of this world? Satan, that's the reason in your Bible it's a little g. The God of this world, the, the prince of the power of the air. He's blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So that, here's why he's doing that. They might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The last thing Satan wants is for the people you care about, the people you know who don't know Christ to see clearly the light of the gospel. He doesn't want them to see and understand and, and comprehend and believe that Jesus is real and that salvation is necessary and it's real in Christ. He's blinding them. He's hiding the gospel, the truth from them. Just like Tomorrow afternoon here in Rock Hill, the moon will block the, the sunlight from, 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 from where you're standing. Satan is doing everything he can to keep the light of God's gospel from shining into the heart and mind of that person you care about who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, when we talked about how to pray for one another for other believers, we said that all of us as Christians are involved in a spiritual battle and we have an enemy, Satan, who wants us to fail. He wants us to mess up. He doesn't want you to grow spiritually. He wants you to be defeated and, and walk away. And we, we said that one of the things the New Testament teaches that, is that we are to pray for each other's spiritual victory, spiritual success. Not only pray for spiritual victory when someone has fallen, but pray for spiritual victory and strength in someone's life while they're still standing. Pray for those saints of God in this church who are living faithfully for Jesus before they fall so that they don't fall. That, that praying for one another in our spiritual health is, is essential to our spiritual vitality. And one of, one of the reasons, I'm convinced of this, one of the reasons there's so many weak believers in church and so many people who fall out of church is we don't pray for each other about that thing, that, about those things. We, we pray for all kinds of stuff, but we don't pray for the spiritual strength and, and growth and victory of fellow believers. No wonder we're, we're being beaten up so badly spiritually. But the same thing is true in the lives of the people you care about who are lost. They have a spiritual enemy who's blinding them to the gospel. And prayer, you're going to see this morning, is, is central to anyone you care about ever coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Because their, their enemy is blinding them. Now, Sometimes we have to think real hard to name people we know who are lost. Not all of us, but some of us. And it's just a fact that the longer we're in church, the fewer lost people we know. It's one of the reasons we're not seeing many people come to faith in Christ. We isolate ourselves from lost people. Just the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus put himself where lost people were. How else are you going to win them? 
And so some of us, we have to think really hard. But, but let me help you think for just a, a moment because there are some of you grandparents in here, you have grandchildren who don't know Jesus. Maybe they walked the aisle when they were seven years old, but they haven't darkened the door of a church in 30 years. You have children, sisters, brothers, uncles, other relatives. One of the mistakes we make is assuming someone is saved. We just assume they're okay, they're all right with God. But what a New Testament Christian does is assume everyone's lost until by their own testimony in life they show you otherwise. You are, listen, you are risking people going to hell when you assume they're saved and all right with God. You're to do just the opposite. And they need our prayers. Co-workers, neighbors, classmates, friends, people who are part of the clubs and groups that we belong to need our prayers if they're ever going <clears throat> to be saved. So how do, you, how do you pray for them? That's what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, uh, he prayed for people who are lost. I sometimes hear somebody say, well, you know, you, you don't need to pray for people who are lost. The New Testament doesn't teach us to do that. Well, that's just crazy. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Paul, writing about the Jewish people, said, Brethren, my heart's desire and my, what's the next word, church? For them is for their what? Their what? Don't ever let anyone tell you the New Testament doesn't teach us to pray for lost people. They don't know what they're talking about. We're to pray for lost people. The Apostle Paul did. So how do we pray for them? Well, it's, it's, it's a lot more than simply praying God save them. That, that's a good prayer, but that's not enough. We need to take what the Bible says about the reality of the condition of lost people and pray about that reality, pray about that condition. Whatever the Bible tells us about lost people needs to inform how we pray for those in our lives who are lost. So what does the Bible tell us? Let's quickly look at some verses now. We're going to jump to verses today more than normal, not sticking to just one passage. Because I want us to get a glimpse of what the Bible teaches about the reality of lost people so we can pray New Testament prayers for them. The first verse, and it's on the screen, is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. The Bible says, for he, and it's referring to God the Father. For God the Father, what did he do? He rescued us. He's talking about those of us who are already saved. He rescued us from the domain, the dominion, the kingdom of darkness. Now, let me ask you, who is the king in the kingdom of darkness? Satan. The moment you got saved, whatever age it was, God plucked you out of the kingdom of hell, out of the kingdom of Satan, out of the domain of darkness, and placed you in his kingdom. A miracle happened when you got saved. And what that tells us is that every man and woman, every boy and girl who is lost is today a part of the kingdom of the evil one. They belong to the domain of darkness and the domain of Satan. The Bible is very explicit in when it talks about spiritual realities. And what we want to do too often is we want to whitewash it. We want to tone it down. We want to make it sound better than it really is. But how does that help anybody? 
You need to pray for the people in your life who don't know Jesus to be rescued. It's something they can't do for themselves. Pray that they are rescued from the domain, from the kingdom of the evil one to which they currently belong. Now that's a lot more than just praying for them to be saved, isn't it? Loosen the control of Satan in their life, his influence in their life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says this, We know that we are of God and that the whole world, a way of referring to all the people on this planet who are outside faith in Jesus, the whole world lies in the power of whom? The evil one, Satan. The word lies, or your Bible may translate it a little bit differently, but <clears throat> that, that, that word in the original language of the New Testament <clears throat> is the picture of a mother. Now, 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 I want you to get this. It's the picture of a mother who's cradling her baby in her arms, rocking that baby to sleep. We, we have photographs. When Stephen, our son, was a baby, him sleeping on my chest. I love those moments. I, I love, those, love to look at those pics every now and then. We have, we have pictures of Liam, our grandson, sleeping on my chest. A few weeks ago, we took one of our youngest grandchild, Emily. And you, where was she? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just love to get on the couch and put those babies and, you know, hug them and cradle them. That's the picture this word means, to lie. But, but notice what it says. is The people in this world who are outside of faith in Christ are being cradled in the arms of and rocked to sleep by the evil one. They, they don't realize what's happening to them. And part of our praying for the people we care about who are lost is God, wake them up. Don't let the evil one deceive them into sleeping through life so that when they finally wake up, it's in the fires of hell. God, wake them up before it's too late because Satan is rocking them to sleep in lostness. Does that describe their reality a little differently than we normally think about it? Another passage, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, referring to believers, he says, you were dead in trespasses and sin. Before we had, came to faith in Christ, we were spiritually dead because of our sin, rebellion against God. He said, in which you formerly walked. That's how we used to live. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's the prince of the power of the air? It's the evil one. It's Satan. Of the spirit that is now, notice this. Now, what, what, what is the spirit of Satan now doing? Working in the sons of disobedience. Who's the sons of disobedience? Everyone who's lost. In other words, just as God works in my life, in your life, as a believer, the Holy Spirit works in us, do you understand that Satan is at work daily, continuously, in the life of your loved one, your friend, co-worker, neighbor, classmate who's lost? He's at work in their life right now doing everything he can to rock them asleep so that they will remain blind to the gospel, hidden from its light, so that they will remain lost 
And you need to pray against his work in your friend's life. That's a lot more than just praying, God, save so-and-so. Satan has strategies, techniques to keep individuals where they are spiritually. And when you care about people and you're in relationship with them, you, you can begin to see some of the things he's doing to keep them lost, can't you? Well, pray about those things when you pray for them because this is spiritual warfare. Pray against his influence. There's, there's a, a, another verse I want us to look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says that the word of the cross, the cross, the crucifixion of Christ, the atonement for sin, his bearing our sin in his own flesh is what? What is it, church? Look at the scripture. What does it say? It's foolishness. To whom? To those who are perishing. It shouldn't surprise you that lost people think the gospel doesn't make any sense. They laugh at the idea of, a, of Jesus dying to pay the penalty for their sin because that's what Satan wants them to do. And you need to be praying that they come to a true understanding of the cross and its message, that they come to a true understanding of the power of the cross and how it can transform their life when they come to faith in Christ. It's not so much about you arguing with them and you trying to convince them as it is about you praying for the light to come on in their mind and in their heart. So that suddenly, even if they can't always intellectually explain everything, on some deep, deep human level, it just makes sense. They get it. You need to pray that. For lost people in your life. One of my favorite verses, and I think one of the most important ones when it comes to praying for people we know who are lost, is John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 8. Jesus talks about the paraclete, the parakaleo, the one who's called to walk alongside us, the Holy Spirit. That, that when he comes, he will do some things. And part of what he will do is he will convince or convict the world of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Do you know what the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a lost person is? He convicts them of their sin. He convinces them that they are a sinner in need of forgiveness. You, you can't do that. Do you know when you try to convince somebody they're a sinner, all you do is make them mad? Right? All you do is make them mad. You know who convinces someone their sin in their life? Because on, on a deep level, they already know it. It's just, I mean, how many of us enjoy admitting things about ourselves we don't like? How many, I mean, I don't enjoy that. You enjoy that? But the Holy Spirit has this beautiful way of powerfully and, 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 and clearly convincing, convicting them of the fact that they have sinned and, and what's the consequences of that and that they need forgiveness. That's his job. You need to pray that the Spirit of God convicts them at the core of their being that they're a sinner. 
Who needs forgiveness? But he also convinces and convicts the world of righteousness. What is that? That I'm not righteous, I'm not perfect, and I need to be. And the only way I can be is through the righteousness of Christ. He convinces, convicts the world of judgment. That one day they will give an account to God. They're accountable to God. They're responsible to God. And in their current sinful, unrighteous condition, they're not ready. But if they place their faith in Christ and become righteous, they will be ready for the day of judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And listen, He can speak to people in ways you and I never can. And so we need to be praying that He's working in people's lives because too too often we, we try to evaluate their response, their reaction, their appearance, and so on, and, and make our decisions on the basis of that. But here's the problem. I cannot and you cannot see inside anybody's heart and anybody's mind. And I'm going to tell you, if you're praying for people, there's more going on in there than you know and they will ever tell you because the Holy Spirit is working when we pray. Now, if we don't pray, then why should we expect much to happen? If you're not praying regularly for that grandchild who's lost, that child who's lost, that relative, friend, co-worker, if you're not praying consistently for that person you know who's lost, why would you ever expect much to happen? You know, I titled this sermon series, Prayer and Fasting, Spiritual Disciplines That Change Lives, because it really does. It changes us and it changes others because God works in response to our praying now there's an, there's another passage over in the book of the second uh, second timothy chapter chapter two i want us to spend a couple of moments on second timothy chapter two starting at verse 24 so let's let's walk through these verses he said the lord's bond servant who's who's the lord's bond servant all of us who are saved we're servants we're slaves we're bond servants we're bound to Christ. We're his servants. Must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Now notice this in verse 25. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 26. So that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. Now, verse 26 describes the spiritual reality of lost people and informs how you and I need to be praying for them. They are captive. Literally, it means to be taken alive. You know what that means? They're a prisoner of war. In this spiritual battle, in this spiritual war, they've been taken alive as a captive, as a prisoner by the evil one. They are, you know, we already, we already saw they're in his kingdom, his domain, right? So they've been captured and they've been shipped back, so to speak, to the homeland of the enemy. They're in his domain, taken alive as a prisoner of this spiritual war. And we need to be praying for their freedom, for their rescue. But... He also says they've been they've been caught in the snare or trap of the devil. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to catch me a bird. 
And I was pretty, you know, pretty uh, ingenious growing up on the farm. So I, I got this, I got this, this tub, this wash tub. And I propped it up on, you know, on a stick, you know, with a fork on the top and tied a string to it. And I put, I don't remember what, bread, corn, I don't remember what I put under it, but I put something under it to attract. And I just laid and wait. And that beautiful little bird flew down and he walked in there to start eating that food and I just pulled a string. I caught me a bird. Did that more than once. Satan puts all kinds of stuff out there to trap people. You know people. You have loved ones who are trapped by Satan's enticing food. And you need to pray they get sick of his menu. You, you need to pray they come to the place they are sick and tired of living how they're living. You need to pray they come to the point of hating what's going on in their life and, they, and, and realize there has to be something better than this. That they're tired of bad decisions and they're tired of messing up and, and they're tired of pushing everybody away and, and, and they're tired of that empty feeling on the inside. Then he says at the beginning of verse 26 that they come to their senses because the mind is all part of this. You need to pray that they come to the point of having, you know, clear thinking, being clear, clear-headed, come to their senses. Now, before we leave this passage, seeing people come to faith in Christ, evangelism, there's a partnership. And what we've been talking about is us praying that the Holy Spirit does this work, this great work, this powerful work in their life because he's the only one who can do all of that. But you see, there's a partnership with you and me as believers. We have a role to play in it as well. And our role, there's, there's two or three things. It's what we've been saying already. Part of our role is to pray. And to pray daily, pray regularly, pray consistently for those we know who are lost. And by the way, can I say, if you don't know people who are lost, pray that God shows you some lost people and get out there and meet some people. You can't be salt because the New Testament says as Christians we're salt. You can't be salt without getting on meat. Okay? You can't be light, and the New Testament calls us as believers light. You can't be light unless you're willing to go into a dark room. So we pray, but, but there's, there's more to it than that. I want you to look back again at verses 24 and 25. He said, the bondservant of the Lord, his servants, us, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach patient when wrong with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition how are you to live and act and talk toward lost people you just read it brothers and sisters and can I say that's the exact opposite of how most of us do it much of the time in modern America there's a reason most people who are lost think we're all mad at them And that's not being a Christian witness. That's simply being a jerk.
dealing with lost people, praying for God to give you that extra measure of patience and kindness. And when sharing the, the Word of God, not your opinions, but the Word of God, Scripture verses so they can understand the gospel, so they can understand salvation. Notice in verse 25, do it with what? What's the word? Gentleness. You, you want to know how to be the kind of Christian God says we're supposed to be when it comes to, to, to praying for and sharing the Word of God with people who are lost? That's it. If you want a non-biblical word for it, treat them with respect, not disdain. How, how are you going to influence for Christ anybody you look down on? Hmm? All you're going to do is drive them further and further away from the gospel and closer to hell. Love them. When you love people, you talk to them a certain way, right? Am I right? We're supposed to love lost people. God so loved whom? The world. How much? He gave Jesus. God says, I want you to love them enough to show some patience and kindness and gentleness when you share my love and my truth and my gospel with them. Pray for them, but treat them with love as well. In Luke chapter 10, and this is in your, your notes, Jesus sent uh, 70 followers in teams of two out to every town that he was going to visit. He sent them out to prepare the way and to, to preach and, and tell them that he was coming. It's kind of like he sends us into this world. And then he, then he said to the 70 before they left, he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, pray that more believers will get out there and do the work of an evangelist. That more of us will actually begin loving people who are lost and praying for people who are lost and talking with people who are lost. As, you know how you can pray for your loved ones, your friends who are lost? Pray that God sends into their life someone who loves Jesus and will love them. Pray that God sends into their life, wherever they are, pray that God sends into their life someone who will be a witness for Christ. And I sometimes pray that God takes out of their life people who are a bad influence. I pray both ways. And then pray, God, send me to somebody. Because it's kind of hard to pray for God to send other people into a lost person's life to be a witness to them and, and never pray that same prayer for ourselves. In fact, I'm convinced that sometimes the reason some of us don't pray much for lost people is because every time we do, God starts talking to us about what we're doing and we don't want to be bothered, so we just don't pray. God says we need to be praying that people who are believers will get out there in the field and, and work. One, one last passage, Colossians chapter, chapter 4, the book of Colossians chapter 4, verses uh, 3 and following. Paul is, is saying to the church in Colossae, he said, he said, pray for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison that I may make it clear in the way I ought 
to speak. He's saying pray that God gives us opportunities. So pray that God gives people in this church and in your Sunday school class and on our staff and deacons, pray that God gives us opportunities to be a witness for Jesus. And, and pray that God gives you open doors. And, and, and pray that all of us together, when we have those open doors, we seize the opportunity and we, and we speak clearly. We don't, we don't speak with timidity, but we speak clearly the way we should. And we do it with love and compassion and kindness, but we speak sharing the Scripture sharing the scripture one of the reasons you need to memorize some bible verses is so you can share the word of god and not just your opinions that we might speak the mystery of christ an open door for the word what's the word is it's the scripture and then one last thing verse five he said conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders who are outsiders those outside the family those who are not saved making the most of the opportunity pray that god gives you the wisdom to know how to talk with and how to treat people who don't know jesus you see sometimes what we do is we get mad at lost people for acting like lost people <laughs> i mean think about it how else are they supposed to act they're lost you know who Jesus got mad at in the New Testament? Religious people who didn't act right. Isn't that true? Huh? Isn't that true? It's amazing what the Bible says and how often it goes contrary to what we like to think and do. Be real. Be genuine. Lost people are going to act like lost people because they're lost and we love them no matter how they act, because that's what God does and it's what he wants us to do. In this five-week challenge, we, we've been encouraging ourselves to fast once a week and to, to pray, you know, pray for two people we don't normally pray for every day, pray for ministries in the church, you know, things in your bulletin, pray for two items in that bulletin every day uh, so you can pray for the kingdom of God. Last week, pray for two people each day who are backslidden and, and spiritually struggling. This week, just pray for two lost people. Every day, pray for two lost When you fast this week, I'm not sure what day I'm fasting this week. This past week I fasted on Wednesday. Whichever day you fast, whatever kind of fast you do, whatever day, fast for the people in your life who are lost to come to faith in Christ, for the Holy Spirit to do this work in their life, and for Him to make you a witness. Fast and ask God to do something. Um, it, was my, it was my uncle and his wife who mostly prayed for me when I was lost. I knew they were praying for me. <laughs> but God also used two classmates and, and some church members from what eventually became my home church who visited our house. Those, those are the, the primary people God used in bringing me to salvation. But here's, here's, what's, here's, an, here's something else about that. They, they didn't have a clue what God was doing in my life and heart. When they would come from the church to visit our house, <laughs> mom and my grandfather and others might be in the living room talking, but I, I made certain I was out of there. I was in another part of the house. I didn't want to talk to them. I hid from them back in my bedroom. I'd go in the bedroom and close the door. But their being there, just the fact they showed up, God used that to make an impression on me. They... they 
I mean, I'm sure they thought I was pretty rude and uninterested, but the whole time I'm hiding back there, God's talking to me. When one of my classmates talked to me about uh, going to church, I, <laughs> I blew her off kind of rudely. But in my mind, I'm thinking she's right, and that's what I need. My uncle would ask me to go to church every time he'd visit. I never went. Not one time did I ever go to church with him. I imagine he got discouraged. If he was like some Christians, he would have gotten mad and quit asking, but he didn't. But he was the most powerful witness in my life. And through their faithfulness, even when they didn't know anything was happening inside of me, God was working because they were doing what God told them to do irrespective of what was happening on the outside. Brothers and sisters, be New Testament Christians and quit trying to read all the tea leaves. Just do what God calls us to do. Because the people we care about, their eternal destiny is hanging in the balance. So let's fast and pray for people who are lost this week. Stand with me. As we sing our hymn of invitation, and pastors come to the front, counselors are here to talk with you, and you're invited to come and make decisions for Christ. God, God perhaps has burdened your heart for somebody and you want to get on your knees and pray for them right now. You don't have to wait till this afternoon. You want to start right now taking that person to the throne of heaven. Maybe you need to pray about your attitude. Pray about your heart. Maybe you need to pray that God will help you begin seeing people in a different way. God's inviting you to come and join this church or to request baptism and, and most importantly of all, to give your heart to Christ and be forgiven and be saved. So as we sing together, you come right now. Come while we sing.